The 630 Chad Afternoon News with Jaylen Nye and Andrew Gross. Weekdays at 2 on 630 Chad. This is the 630 Chad Afternoon News with Jaylen Nye and Andrew Gross on 630 Chad, Edmonton's breaking news and conversation station. talking just before the break about uh, city police uh, issuing tickets uh, for drop-off for uh, cars parked in uh, no parking zones and transit areas mm-hmm. while picking up and dropping off their children. And Beth texted, and it's a great point, Beth, and I, I wanted to, uh, to read it to our other listeners. You won't get a ticket for it, but parents who unload their children on the street side, why? It drives me nuts. I saw lots of that. Like I say, I... I, I I did not like how parent pickup or child pickup and drop off worked at my kid's elementary school. So I asked the principal and the principal said, well, you need to join the parent teachers association if you want to change something like that. So I don't really join committees. That's not really Mm -hmm. my thing, but I joined that one. And I suggested to them what I thought would be the most appropriate way, my idea. And that suddenly made me the head of parent parking patrol <laughs> and five years of all uh, the power yeah it was great honestly i'm not gonna lie i loved it uh so five years of wearing a little vest and directing uh parents in and out now if your school doesn't have a drop-off zone or you know or if the parking lot's not accessible to you then what you need to do is join that parent teacher association and figure that out because that's obviously a shortfall of your school right most schools do have something set up Anyways, enough with that. I, I, it's just one of those things that, you know, like I say, five years I volunteered. So it's still on the top of my mind. It was, uh, it was a lot of fun. And I would often see parents encouraging children to run across the street to get to their car because they weren't able to find a parking spot right in front of the school. And you're just like, come on, man. Man, I just walked. My parents just said, go. Well, I walked to school the whole time. Like I say, my kids miles. couldn't. They'd have to go forever. And in the winter, yikes. Hey, look at this. Some special guest is joining us in studio this afternoon. You know what? I love this event. It's a little piece of my heart. (laughs) Started out, what, 10, over 10 years ago? No, actually, we're on year nine. Only year nine. Next year's 10. What decade? Okay, so nine years ago with, what, 100 participants? Oh, yeah, if that. Yeah, under 100, let's say that. We <laughs> raised about 22 grand this year. Over 400 men are expected to take part, helping to raise over $200,000. The annual YWCA Walk a Mile New Shoes, of course, is what we're talking about. That campaign, uh, as you just mentioned, nine years now. It takes place next Wednesday at the Wise New. At the Oh, where does it take place? The new location, because Churchill Square is yeah. not a thing right now, is uh, Jasper Avenue, 104th Street. There you go. CEO Leslie Allen and Amber Niemeyer. Nailed it. Yeah, then look at that. Director of Advocacy joins us in studio. So I love this thing. I've, I did it for years, and then uh, I moved to afternoons, and I couldn't do it, because you guys keep arranging for my partner <laughs> to MC the event. And, uh, you know, in the unlikely event she's not back in time, somebody has to be here at 2 to launch the show. I know, and it's a sacrifice. Because I have seen you walk in those heels <laughs> and fast. you look like you're really enjoying it. I love it. You know, you no, know, because he's got to make everything a competition. So mm. it's like, I'm going to see who I can race against. <laughs> I always pick out the armed forces guys. Yeah. If I can beat at least half of them, I'm pretty happy. Well, yeah, good luck with that. <laughs> um, you know what, uh, Amber and Leslie, first off, Leslie, welcome. Uh, welcome Thank to uh, 630 Chen. Congratulations on, uh, on the new job. I know you just took over as CEO at the Y. Yes, I did. Uh, two months now. Two months now. Oh. 
and things. Uh, yeah, that's a big job. It is. It is. You know, uh, but what a fabulous organization to be working for. Mm-hmm. Like, oh my goodness. Um, when, you know, just kind of wrapping my brain around all of the yeah. different programs that they do and the number of people that they they reach out to yeah. in a year, it's, it's just fabulous. So I'm completely honored just to be a part of this group. Now, this event is all about helping, um, you know, women and children flee domestic uh, violence. Uh, What are the numbers that we're looking at as far as the number of phone calls that the EPS will see in a year and uh, what's happening on that front? Actually, you know, there's some good news on that front. Okay, uh, over the last couple of years, we come to you sort of with a similar statistic about how many uh, calls EPS respond to with the domestic violence component. And this year, uh, they're down actually pretty significantly from about uh, 8,700 uh, 8, uh, in 2016 to 7,400-ish wow. uh, last year. And that says to us a couple of things. One is that we're elevating the discussion around mm-hmm. uh, domestic violence. And the other is that... Uh, um, people are learning how to break the cycle. It's wonder. It's so. It's very encouraging. The numbers, even for this year, are trending downwards. Well, how are people learning to break the cycle? Is that part of what the YWCA offers? Is information on that? Absolutely. Yeah. You know, we we talk about um, how domestic abuse occurs. What is domestic abuse? Because you know, sometimes that it, it's so foggy to people, and you might be seeing somebody that actually is a victim of domestic abuse and not really recognizing it. So things like you know. Um, limiting access to money or limiting access Mm. to being able to um, socialize with friends or family, having contact uh, with people. Um, That sort of emotional abuse component that becomes so underground, you know, Mm -hmm. um, you're looking at things like, um, you know, blaming somebody for something that they really didn't do and, and making them really feel as if it's their fault or they somehow contributed to to something. So there's all of those different types of components yeah. and I think that people are really beginning to recognize that this is domestic abuse. I think it's it's getting to the point where when we think we used to think about domestic violence and unfortunately still happening this way that it's the actual physical violence mm-hmm. but it's not uh, just that. It right. is the it's the verbal, it's the emotional um, there's so many layers to it and it's one of the things that I always admire about people who do the work that you do because there are so many layers to it and I <coughs> I don't even know where you start half the time. Um, what is it that the Y is offering those people who come to you in need? So we offer, I would say, two. There are two moments in their lives that we that we're very present in. Uh, one of them is um, responsive. So uh, once the abuse has happened, or if they're experiencing domestic abuse, they'll walk into the YWCA. We offer a sliding scale that slides all the way down to five dollars if necessary, depending on your ability. We don't turn you away, so we make sure that the most vulnerable receive the highest quality care to help break that cycle. That can include um, psychological support. It can uh, include coping mechanisms. In the most extreme cases, we will refer them and sometimes even bring them to uh, crisis shelters and then support them through that journey. And then the other moment that we touch their lives is before all this happens with programs like Girl Space, where we actually get to get in there and talk about what healthy relationships look like, 
red flags, uh, resources in the community, uh, and um, we've we've expanded that to be different. There's different modules of this prevention, uh, and so we're teaching youth generally about healthy relationships. It's so important. Yeah. What is the biggest factor? Well, teaching youth of both sexes about healthy Absolutely, relationships. Absolutely. That's what I'm saying. Right? Yeah. What, what's the biggest factor that prevents someone from seeking help? Uh, finances and fear. Uh, so I think the, the magic of the YWCA is that we remove the barrier of affordability uh, and the fear is it takes a tremendous amount of courage just to even admit to yourself that abuse is occurring. You have children. Often there's even pets involved. Um, it's it's complex. It would be foolish to say that it's a simple situation. It create, uh, requires a tremendous amount of fortitude, uh, but also it requires that when somebody reaches out, there's somewhere for them to go that mm-hmm. says, you know, I, I understand, I believe you, here are some resources, uh, it can be better. Hey, you know, and I would imagine a lot of women think it will get better, and that's why they don't reach out for help. Yes, because there's a pattern uh, of abuse. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, it usually will go in cycles where, you know, it, it hits a, a point and then it sort of resets that cycle, and often there's the um, the honeymoon period recycles uh-huh. when they're they're very apologetic uh, until it ramps up again and the abuse occurs once more. H- have you moved away from red shoes? Because I see you've got some very <laughs> decorative flowered <laughs> shoes. Uh, or are those my size? You know, we, I wish they were your size. I don't <laughs> think they're... I think these are a 10 or 11, but, well, you I know... I think I could cram into those. I would really... I'd like to see it. <laughs> I would like to see it. These are some gorgeous floral pattern heels. We thought we'd shake it up a little bit. I think I want those. Oh, I have a I similar know. pair at home. I'll lend you. Uh, on on Twitter, we saw one of our friends, uh, Sergeant Jones. We gave the, him... The sparkly ones. They're stunning. I want those I ones want as those well. Too. Yes, they were not in my size or they would be mine. So, uh, Leslie and Amber, so for Walk a Mile, it is, it's Wednesday. Tell us about uh, what's going to shake down that day. So, uh, what we're doing is we are... Uh, uh, all going to meet uh, around 11.30-ish mm-hmm. uh, at the corner of 104th and Jasper Avenue. And uh, we're going to start the walk. And what we're asking people to do is to go to our website at walkamileedmonton.com. <laughs> Thank you, Amber. And uh, to um, uh, sign up, get a team together, or come out by yourself, yeah. get some pledges. We've got a really lofty goal this year of, of uh, 220000 yeah. We're at about 140, 150 right now, so we've still got some room to go, so we're really encouraging people to get out there and to donate. Um, this really impacts a lot of families that come to our organization, so it's all going to be going to a fantastic cause and uh, really touching people and helping people. No, last year it was directed to a certain area, and this year uh, the money it was like counseling last year. Yeah, so uh, the, these will fund the YWCA and all uh, be allocated to all of our violence okay. prevention and recovery programs. Any other changes this year? Do we have other changes? Besides oh the yeah, that's right. So uh, last year was our first year on the street, and it there were, like it was packed. There yeah. must have been like 600, 700 people on that street, and we're like, that's okay. a lot of clicking. Yeah, yeah it so it was, it was, it was something to see. But essentially, all that could happen because we didn't like go around a route like we would in Churchill Square. Everyone just kind of shuffled to the end of the street and then back. shuffled back. It was like turn around, <laughs> shuffled backwards. So we actually have a route mapped out. We're going to be walking um, a fairly large city block because one of the things when we do a survey. 
And one of the things the men particularly were saying is, we'd like to walk farther. We feel like we should be a little bit more uncomfortable so that we can, you know, help mm-hmm. bring comfort to the women and families that we're looking to support. So, yeah, you, you got a bit of a hoofing to do. <laughs> <laughs> and women walking this year, too? Everybody's welcome. I, I love this. And in fact, a few of the people on our leaderboard are women. Some of the mm-hmm. top walkers. I'm really pushing. I'd love to see a woman hoist that trophy, <laughs> that giant pink shoe <laughs> trophy. <laughs> Amber, is there anything else, Leslie, that you want uh, folks to know about, uh, about Walk a Mile? That there's still time to sign up. Yeah. Absolutely. Get your team, get yourself registered, or go donate to your favorite uh, local celebrity, or we've got some military guys, yep. uh, the EPS. Go um, throw some money behind one of those teams. Try to bump one of the ladies up the leaderboard. Yeah. I love you guys, but that would be that'd be really cool. Well, Just keep an eye on social media in general. People are always putting it out there that they're looking for a sponsor. These yeah. are your friends. That's mm-hmm. why they're on your social media feed. So just take a look tonight. I'm sure you'll see lots of people uh, asking for your help in uh, supporting them. It's always tons of fun to see uh, all these guys walking around, firefighters in their bunker gear and the police officers in the uniforms. Oh, I started. Businessmen and the uh, Air Force guys and the yes. Army guys. So, yeah. anyway, it is funny it to watch. It, it is, is actually really watch. entertaining. It's a really fun, great uh, event for an important cause and uh, want to thank the Y for continuing to to uh, do this every single year. Leslie, nice to meet you. Congratulations, nice you Amber. We'll see you both on Wednesday. Thanks Absolutely. So much. Thanks. Fifty on the six thirty Chad afternoon news. Want to get to uh, Ward Three City Councilor uh, John Zadek right away. Hey John, thanks for joining us. Hello there. I know you did it on uh, short notice. I, I don't know a better way to phrase the question that we all have, uh, uh, other than to put it: uh, What what what's going on? Well, you know, I'm just surprised at the report that I read, and I'm also just surprised at the willingness of council to debate tobacco smoking issues when we have the real issue of where we you know, what we're going to do about cannabis, which is going to be a legal product soon. Well, so so just to sort it out for us, the news today that... uh, First off, is confusing. Is confusing. So is it city administration that is recommended to council? So back at the start of summer, council did what it did with with incorporating tobacco laws during our cannabis discussion, and we passed three readings on a bylaw that then got rescinded because it was... Uh, quite clear that the, the business community wasn't properly consulted along White Avenue and Jasper, and I would suggest that all other parts of the city as well. What administration did to redress the issue of lack of consultation with the, the tobacco conversation, and I was against bringing tobacco into this right off the beginning, but city administration hastily, and it, with the parameters council set for them, so city administration did a good job, but they conducted a public survey in, in seven days or something like that, and to me that's not a, a good way to get public engagement. And uh, what we're looking, the news that, that you're referring to is that the report was released that suggests that tobacco smoking rules for in public should be in harmony with cannabis smoking rules. But the issue is it's much more restrictive than how tobacco smoking was or is right now. So this was, this was a report which was prepared for council because council was going to re-examine this issue, what, September 12th, I think it was, um, and I could have that date wrong. So this is the report that you'll be examining, but nothing's been decided. This, so this report's going to the Community and Public Services Committee, and this is just part of our process to vet the information, but it's directly res, uh, it's a result of what 
happened at council. So, okay. but right now, administration is recommending tying the two together, and therefore, uh, tobacco smoking in public is going to become much more restrictive than it is much, right now. Much more restrictive, and I would say that administration was mostly responding to their, the perceived direction from council, um, and I was a dissenting opinion on that. Interesting. So, hmm. yeah, my question was going to be: Did they not watch the news? Because I mean, when this when this first came out, there was quite a bit of pushback to it. That listen, that's too restrictive. So to to turn around and make the exact same recommendation that was already walked back once doesn't make sense to me. And that's why I was surprised to see what I saw. But a survey was conducted, and I don't. I think it was done in haste, and I would prefer to see it more rigorous and involving more people and more stakeholders, but I'm not going to dispute what the information that's in front of us. So in the administration's analysis, they're saying that this is fine uh, to marry the two together with the proposed increased restrictions on use. Boy, so really, and, the, yeah. a lack of consultation, uh, we get to hear that <laughs> term quite a bit these days. Well, public survey, they're thinking yeah. that's consultation. And what what do you expect that I, I can't expect that a study which suggests what you already got to a third reading, if it suggests that again, I can't imagine that that's changed anyone's mind on council. So my prediction would be that that's exactly where council will will land on this. Then the similar or identical laws for tobacco and cannabis. It's possible. Uh, I haven't spoken with my other councillors yet about this, but what this is saying is you can't smoke within tobacco within 10 meters of a storefront and so two adjacent stores that's a 20 meter distance from door to door and it's rare that you'll find a commercial strip in Edmonton where there's uh, adjacent front doors are further than 20 meters apart now there I I will say that there is some sense to be said about um, harmonizing tobacco and cannabis although they're very different products and cannabis has the secondhand smoke concerns, the smell nuisance factor, and we want to keep that away from children. It's, there's, we, we just have to be careful where we say that they're the exact same and, and where we make a distinction. And, and this is a case where we have five weeks to figure this all out before cannabis is legalized. That's a pretty serious matter for city council to deal with. So as I've been saying all summer long, I'm not sure why we were complicating this discussion by talking about tobacco at this time tobacco conversations could happen in the future. Yeah, couldn't agree with you more on that, honestly. I mean, figure this one out, because TikTok, October 17th, right around the corner. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I'm just, you know what, and I'm I'm still somewhat surprised that um, Edmonton hasn't done what a number of the other um, communities around us are doing, are just saying no public, con- no public consumption of cannabis, um, and then we'll yeah. move forward. You know, if you want to take, if you want to take a hard too. hard line, or you know, make it tough, do it that way. Then move forward. Then yeah. make the decisions as you as as it unfolds. Um, but to tie smoking into it just is bizarre. What what we need is indoor cannabis lounges where consenting adults could go indoors, and there'd be no advertising from the front, where it'd be discreet in any manner. You could have glass smoking areas with inside, so staff that's working there would not be uh, exposed to the secondhand smoke unless they, they chose to be, because of course if you were working in a cannabis lounge, presumably the smoke wouldn't bother you. And then people could, consenting adults could do that away from kids, away from 
uh, just passers-by, and then we wouldn't have any secondhand smoke issues. We'd also get people not smoking in their living rooms as much. It's hard to control what people do in their homes, but right now, when this product becomes legal, people are going to need a place to to consume Definitely. this legal substance. Yeah. So as it stands right now, September 12th is the next meeting, and we'll know more then, John? Yeah, more, more information will be available. Now, I'm not on this committee, the Community and Public Services Committee, but I'll be there as a member of council, and I have uh, speaking rights there, and I'll, I'll state my Did- position. And I, I do feel my position is, well, the majority of the rep, you know, the my constituents on the north side in Ward 3, feel this way. That's what I've been hearing from time and time again. And just Edmontonians in general, I believe, uh, are in favor of keeping just the status quo for tobacco right yeah. now. It's- and, and then eventually, so from this committee, it would go to City Council for the final vote. Yeah. Okay. So mm. we're still a couple of weeks away from that. Okay. Which makes this, it's a dangerously close time yeah. frame. And it's such a large public policy change. I think we owe it to Edmontonians to have some uh, certainty and predict- predictability of what's happening. It's you know, it's probably, I don't want to speculate on the time frame, but it, you know, short days before cannabis is legal, people might still be wondering where they can consume this. Yeah, for sure. In every jurisdiction with a different set of rules. John, you made yourself available on no notice whatsoever. Uh, John's out of Council Ward 3. Really appreciate that you did that. Thank you so much for this. No problem. Take care. Have a good weekend. The 630 Chad Afternoon News with Jaylen Nye and Andrew Gross. Weekdays at 2 on 630 Chad.